What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual convo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Welcome back to another episode of What the Actual Fork podcast. Today we had Dr. Marta Perez, who is an OBGYN, an assistant professor with Wash U, a laborist. She's also a future MFM fellow, which we're super excited about and congrats to her. And she just happens to be a mom, a wife, a researcher, a YouTuber, an Instagram star, and just all of the things. An all around amazing person too. <laughs> um, this episode today was just 1000% full of facts. So much relatable information for women mostly, um, but just overall the it was, I can't even put to words just how passionate she is about what we talked about in this episode, which we haven't even told you about yet. Maybe we should just make you wait. <laughs> but Marta's passion is just incredible. And everything that she spoke about when we were talking about women and pre, prenatal, postnatal, in addition to COVID and just the way that the vaccine and misinformation and everything out there has impacted mental health. Um, just listening to her, I could listen to her speak forever. Exactly. Like she just <laughs> is so knowledgeable. And I think she's just her and so many of her colleagues on social media are really breaking the breaking ground, just talking about things that weren't usually talked about. And I think just kind of brushed under the rug. And I think so many people, specifically women think they're alone in whether it's the pregnancy journey or postpartum, you know, related to the vaccine. I'm so excited that she covered not only with pregnant and postpartum, but also the infertility community, community, which I see so many people not getting vaccinated. So Marta just really gives us so many resources on myth busting vaccination um, info. And she has this all over her Instagram page. If you have not already checked it out, but this episode goes deep, deep, deep into detail, not only with the vaccination stuff, but just mental health related to pregnancy and postpartum, which if that relates to you or a sister or an aunt or a mom or whoever, just send it along because this episode is so wonderful. And just really quickly, please know that this episode is full of facts, not opinions. Um, everything that Marta shares in this episode is very well researched. Um, and she also provides a ton of resources as well. Yes. And in addition to the resources she shares, she'll share her Instagram handle at the end. 
always go over to her page where she has highlight upon highlight linking the resources that link to the actual research studies. So if you are a research nerd and want to dive into that, you can find all of that there. So enjoy this episode because we know that we did. Today we have one of our favorite OBGYNs from, I say from Instagram, but obviously (laughs) she does a lot more than Instagram, but we have Dr. Marta Perez here. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Marta. Hi guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for this conversation. I feel like every time I look at your Instagram page, I learn so much and I just have to share that I really enjoyed your very recent Instagram story series where you kind of took us through like a a night in your life. Oh yeah. Um, That was fascinating to me. My husband and I are currently watching Scrubs, which I know is not at all real medicine, but like the room where they take the, when they're overnight and they sleep in. Yeah. And like, yeah. it was just, it came to life on your story. <laughs> yeah. Enjoyed watching. Yeah. It's funny. I've only watched selected episodes of Scrubs, but all the doctors I know who have actually watched all of Scrubs say, actually, it's one of the more accurate ones. Not because, I mean, it's a comedy. So like, clearly it's like <laughs> silly and different, but in terms of like how much they like work and live in the hospital. And sometimes there are these very poignant moments of real like pain that mm-hmm. you're suffering as a, especially as a trainee. But anyway, so a lot of people say it actually is kind of one of the more accurate ones. They're in like a hospital and we do not need to continue talking about this after that, but they're in a hospital where like, it's a very old looking hospital too. Mm -hmm. And the staff is very established. And I worked in a hospital briefly in the beginning of my career and it felt very real, but I also know that they fabricate a lot of the stories on those shows. So I like to preface that they know it has, it's not at all what you guys go through. (laughs) It was a great show. (laughs) Um, a lot of it is what we go through because a lot of the people have been there forever. Just as background for your listeners, in case they don't know, I'm an OBGYN doctor, but right now I work just exclusively in the hospital on labor and delivery, which is called being like an OB hospitalist or a laborist. Um, and then next summer I'll be going to fellowship to subspecialize in maternal fetal medicine, which is high risk OB, um, only. So, yeah. So exciting. Congratulations. We're excited to celebrate you. Before we get into any of our pressing like reproductive questions, we would love to start this episode just asking you something that goes along with the title of our podcast. So obviously we are the What the Actual Fork podcast. And we kind of got that name because within diet culture specifically, there's so many moments that just make us say like, what the actual fork? Like, what the hell basically? So it doesn't have to be related to necessarily diet culture. You can, if you have anything that you've seen recently, that's made you say like, what the actual fork, but I would probably relate this more to the misinformation spreading in your field. What is the last post news article commercial thing that you've seen that has just stopped you in your tracks and been like a, what the actual fork moment for you? Oh, I mean, gosh, with pregnancy, there is so much clickbaity type of uh, posts or news or stories. And a lot of it has to do with what pregnant people should or shouldn't do um, and specifically eat. And that's because the guidelines behind, uh, you know, avoiding, you know, bacteria and infections through food is kind of hard to digest. So all of a sudden you'll see this like very clickbaity, uh, 
real that's, you know, someone who might sell a program or information or wants you to follow them that's like, should pregnant people eat nectarines? And like the answer is like, yes, sure. What? But like, it's almost like I felt like the purpose was to get the person to second guess and have a fear response. And fear is one of our most motivating emotions, especially when it comes to social media and who we're following the things we're looking at, and especially in pregnancy. So I hate like, it's one thing to be like, hey, like, this is the cheese, the recommendations on cheese, but it's another thing to like purposefully bait someone to second guess something they thought they were like was fine to eat um, and didn't know there could be an issue with. And there wasn't, but to make them second guess that just to get the, their click or their attention. I love that. And I think it's safe to say that with just how the world is right now, that pregnant people aren't scared at all, right? There's nothing going on in the world that's making us fearful. Um, But Jen, I see you unmuted. So I want to hand it over to you. I feel like when I was pregnant, I, there was just like a, a moment in my car where I was reading like a sunscreen ingredient label and thought that I killed my fetus because some doctor <laughs> said that like that kind of sunscreen was like the worst thing for you. So I, I, I relate to the anger. That, that I know there's a lot of, I feel like you guys probably follow or are get this messaging from all sides, but maybe more of the science back side too. But like, it feels like these days it's like every ingredient in everything could harm you. And in reality, like we live in a world where we have lots of exposures, right? Even the sun, which is like the best thing ever. Like you need sunscreen, but then it's all of a sudden like, but only certain kinds of sunscreens. But in reality, unless you're drinking or dousing yourself in sunscreen all of the time, even maybe some ingredients that we don't want a lot of, it's probably going to be fine. Like there's certainly no amount of like, Oh my God, this is going to harm my baby. No, come on. Like just, a holistic approach. It just, and then, you know, people have a lot of scare tactics around like food additives and a lot of them are not based in science either. And anyway. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like this entire episode could be a topic on that. And I think that that kind of brings us very naturally into something that you hosted this summer, I believe. No, earlier this year, Um, a five week zoom course on pregnancy, postpartum and mental health. Um, Those three things together, I think, are it's just it's such a nuanced topic. But can you tell us a little bit more about what you shared in that course and just about mental health in pregnancy and postpartum women during this unprecedented time? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, no. So I, I participated in that course with um, Dr. Pooja Lakshman, who is a perinatal psychiatrist, you know, and I hosted a session and it was mostly, of course, through her. Her platform is called Gemma, G-E-M-M-A. So definitely check that out. Um, and Pooja is amazing, um, Dr. Lakshman. But yeah, I love that she's really focused on perinatal mental health. So, you know, there's most people have heard of postpartum depression, like most people have heard of that's something that happens, um, but most people don't know what it looks like or how common it is. So, and they don't know that that's just one piece of a huge mental health picture of reproductive health. So I prefer to say, you know, perinatal mental health or perinatal mood disorders or something like that, because it isn't just postpartum and postpartum goes through, you know, the first year of life. Um, in terms of like categorizing it being related to postpartum, but it also during pregnancy, there's plenty of mood disorders that can happen, you know, before 
especially if getting pregnant is harder and not what you expected and involves a lot more time, effort, and energy, that's stressful pregnancy is and postpartum. So I like to say perinatal and that's kind of the background because all those things are important, but the, just as the most basic level, I mean, postpartum depression is so common. Like estimates are about one in four to one in seven people will have, you know, postpartum mood disorder, whether that's depression, postpartum anxiety, super common, um, or a perinatal mood disorder. Um, and like, I just kind of touched on, I feel like reproductive health, pregnancy, mothering is in our culture wrapped up in this like gilded celebrated yet also supremely judged level of scrutiny and i think it's always been that way i think the internet can both be a blessing and a curse when it comes to that it can on one hand make some families and some parents some pregnant people feel less alone when they're able to connect with other people. But on the flip side, you used to only be able to compare your mothering technique or your parenting tip or your birth experience to like the maybe 30 other people in your network, you know, family and friends, social acquaintances. And now there's like hundreds of pictures online of someone having a quote unquote perfect birth or, you know, wonderful pregnancy. And of course we know social media is just, um, obviously not real. It's just fake, just a highlight reel. But I think that it does contribute to um, some perinatal mood disorder as well. But even without the internet, perinatal mood disorders are really common. And there's lots of reasons for it. I mean, mood disorders, depression, anxiety, they have both, you know, an emotional component, a psychological component, and like the physical biochemical component. And those things are not separate, they're intertwined, and they both matter. So the treatment for depression, anxiety is both, you know, therapy, support, counseling, and medication. And what we see a lot of the times is pregnant people are made to be like, oh, don't, don't take any medication during pregnancy. If you take that antidepressant during pregnancy, it could harm the pregnancy. But the actual truth is not that. The truth is that the stress of an untreated depression or untreated anxiety has a physical effect too. And the healthier of the two choices is to take medication to control that stress and to be happier and more full, because we've really seen that there's not very many risks with most of those types of medication that are safe. And usually if you're on one of the ones that we don't recommend, it's easy to kind of switch to another one, right? Um, um, or you can work with your either OB or psychiatrist. But unfortunately, you know, sometimes I hear lots of stories of people saying my OB said to come off my antidepressant and I'm like, what? And then I, even as an OB experienced, you know, people, my psychiatrist won't prescribe my medication anymore because I'm pregnant. It's like people stop being human beings when they're pregnant. I hate that. Um, and so I love people like Dr. Lachman, who's at women's mental health doc online. She's one of my good friends. She's a, one of many perinatal psychiatrists really focused on the perinatal periods. So you don't hear any of that inf misinformation from them. And of course, most OBGYNs are going to know the right answer, which is for most women that is stay on your medication because a healthy mother is a healthy baby um, and whatever it takes to be the most healthy. I'm so but happy. That's like the big overview, but I can answer specific questions about that too. Like what to look out for or. 
I the difference that, between. Yeah, that would be great. I think just the fact that you went there and myth busting that is huge because I, I know I definitely hear that all over the internet and, and women feeling like they can't be on certain medications or they're going to ruin, you know, their pregnancy. So if, if you could give maybe some symptoms that our listeners could look out for of, you know, I think most people only hear of uh, postpartum depression, like you said, yeah. so maybe just what those perinatal kind of disorders. Yeah. Like. Yeah. So, you know, I always tell people that when you are watching TV and a commercial for an antidepressant comes on, or when you're thinking about depression, what a lot of people visualize is someone who's like, you know, it's always like blue toned and down and um, not getting out of bed, but like, as a new parent, when you have a baby, you can't really do that. Like you are work busting your butt 24 seven to care for someone. Um, and so while you might have some of those symptoms, some people are like, well, I, I go about my day. Like I'm able to get out of bed, but, but I ask people not to lose sight of what it, what those images truly are speaking to is like a lack, what we call anhedonia, which is something is unable to bring you joy. Like the things that usually bring you joy are unable to really bring you joy. Even if you're able to like do all of your tasks, right? You're able to get out of bed and do your tasks. Certainly if you are, have severe symptoms where like getting out of bed is impossible, eating is impossible, caring for your baby is impossible. That's a little bit more obvious, but a lot of people have more subtle symptoms where nothing is right. Um, nothing makes them feel their old sense of joy. When you are pregnant, and especially in those first few weeks and months postpartum, your whole world is upside down. You're not sleeping. Your hormones are all over the place, down, up, depending on which one you're talking about, all around. And for people who are not uh, well-versed in sleep deprivation, it has a major impact on mood that in a way that a lot of people have never experienced before, except uh, maybe medical residents like me and OBs and the people on scrubs. But it really does. It's physically emotionally challenging. Um, I just came off night shifts last week and, you know, I like, I still get those turned around blues and just like my mood so off, but so an extreme version of that postpartum plus real psychological changes, plus a lot of changes to your whole life. Um, it's no wonder, but I see that a lot of my patients come to me and they say, my partner made me call, or they come to me saying, I've been feeling this way for three months already. And I was too embarrassed to call or didn't want to reach out because I thought it was normal because so much about your life has changed. You just think this is just how I'm going to feel forever now. But overwhelming feelings of like, nothing brings you joy. There is a lot of time sleep disturbance. So maybe sleeping too much or when the baby doesn't need you or when you have the opportunity to sleep, you're not able to because your mind is racing. Um, you know, you're going to feel like a new person, but you still should be able to access parts of the old you and be able to find joy in some of the things that brought you joy before. Um, I think a lot of people don't recognize a lot of the symptoms of anxiety. So there's a lot of things to worry about. That's normal, right? Like certain small amounts of anxiety in our daily lives keeps us alive and vigilant and trying to do the right thing. But when it becomes paralyzing, when it becomes, I cannot leave the house, I have no idea like if I can take this medicine, it will hurt my pregnancy or I can't sleep because what if the baby stops breathing? You know, to an extent, some of those feelings here and there can be normal. But when it's a pre majority of what's occupying your mind and affecting your ability to kind of like function or feel like that human that you used to be, um, or a new human who has some worries, but also has joy. That's when it becomes a problem. And 
again, overwhelmingly people don't ask for help. They maybe don't want to verbalize those feelings or they think that they might be normal, right? Because a small amount of those things are normal. Um, every once in a while getting up when the baby's sleeping, make sure they're still breathing is normal. But when it's like severely impacting any ability to sleep, it's not normal. Um, and then there are more even severe forms. Postpartum psychosis is when hearing things that aren't there, seeing things that aren't there, having voices in your head. Postpartum OCD can be very paralyzing, very under um, talked about, which is, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder, compulsive behaviors. Like you need to wash your hands again, even though you just washed them, you didn't wash them enough. You need to wash them three times, five times, six times, things like that. Um, again, they're all part of this spectrum. And I always tell people, if you think that you might be suffering, please talk to someone, talk to your therapist about it. Talk to your OBGYN just because it's out of the six-week window does not mean anything. A lot of these mood disorders come up later in postpartum too. I see like the return to work time period as a big risk of it too, because everything changes again and you're finding your way again as someone who has a job and is a mom or, you know, additional stressors. So always just reach out and ask and like, you know, maybe you talk through it and you're like, well, you know, now that, you know, we kind of talk, maybe the symptoms aren't as bad, or, you know, maybe I'm going to make this adjustment. We're going to start this medicine. We'll check back in, or I'm going to like re-engage with therapy and mental health and we'll check back in. But like, whenever I have patients who reach out to me, even if they decide at the time, like maybe that, maybe this doesn't fit, you know, criteria for a diagnosis or something, I'm always checking back in because we want to know the worst thing is just keeping it all to yourself and having no one as a resource, you know? Thank you so much for putting all of that out there because so I'm currently nine months postpartum and I certainly, certainly had undiagnosed postpartum depression and anxiety in those early days. And there's some like lingering feelings that are like coming up even as you're talking about this. Of yeah. just, like, wow, it is so normal. And I don't think that it's talked about enough. But one thing that you didn't mention that I definitely had, and I, I saw it on Instagram one day, and I was like, Oh, that's what this is. Postpartum rage. Yes. Yes. Like, wow. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't anything like where I like lost my temper and like, whatever it was like, my dog barked and it was like the worst thing that ever happened in that moment or whatever that experience was. I can't even like pinpoint it. It was like the laundry wasn't done when I needed it to be done. And my whole day was ruined. And like yeah. my baby was five months old at that point. So it's yeah. like, I think just normalizing and understanding yes. that like, it's not just those first six weeks, like those first six weeks, I don't even <laughs> remember, but you know, I think that it goes on, like we're so expected to just like be recovered after six weeks in so many ways. And it's just yeah. nice. Hi guys, it's Jenna. As a person who was diagnosed with food allergies at age 21, it was very hard to find allergy safe foods that actually tasted good to replace the ones that I could no longer have. What I love most about 88 Acres brand is that they are free of the top eight allergens plus number nine, which is sesame. I am allergic to sesame and most safe foods out there include it, but not 88 Acres. Their Seed Nola is the most delicious product that I have ever tasted and has brought granola safely back into my life, which is really hard when you're allergic to nuts and also sesame. Whether you have food allergies or not, you will absolutely love this product and this brand, which is why I'm so excited to share this discount with you. Head over to 88acres.com forward slash WTAF and be sure to use code WTAF at checkout 
checkout for 15% off site-wide. Do not forget to DM us and let us know what your favorite product is. And when it's Seed Nola, you let me know personally. You bring up a few great points. One is, yes, absolutely. Postpartum rage is something I, irritability is a huge part of um, both postpartum anxiety and depression for some people. And I would say more so in that postpartum period than maybe like depression and anxiety outside of reproductive health, although it certainly shows up there too. Um, And then the showing up later, you know, two things. Oftentimes, if women in America get way too little support in the postpartum period, period, end of story, we get many people don't have any parental leave at all. If they do, having more than three months is like unheard of when a lot of other, our contemporary countries have six months, eight months, 12 months paid. Um, But, and I'm going to get back to that in a second, but actually a lot of people do have help those first few weeks, right? So sometimes you do get that extra shower, that extra nap, like people making food for you, doing your laundry for you those first few weeks. And then it's like three months comes along and everyone's like, where is everyone? But the baby is still very little and it's not that different really than they were at six weeks. And neither are you. And suddenly there's a, like a big lack of support. Um, the six week checkup thing, I get so upset when people are like, Oh, you're like, it's the medical complex that assumes you're normal after six weeks, because it's not the medical thing. Like that's checking in to make sure like your stitches healed and that like, you know, things physically are starting to move in the right direction. That's what that checkup is. It's not you're healed. Everything's over. It's like the time where Usually if something was going to come up, that's like an infection or really checking on the stitches and repair there, like it would have come up by now. It's a good time to just kind of check in, but nobody is saying that you're not postpartum anymore, that things are supposed to be normal. Then that's actually society with saying that like, oh, you only get most, a lot of people only get six weeks of leave. Um, It's more society. Like if we had, you know, every mother had paid leave for six months, then people wouldn't hang their hat on that six week visit as if it meant something really significant to who they are as a parent and a mother and someone who just gave birth, they would see it as what it is like an isolated doctor's visit as part of a whole journey of new parenthood to this new baby, et cetera. You know? Um, but I, 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 cause I just can't, I mean, even now, like, you know, in Congress, they're actually funding childcare cause it's so unaffordable for so many. And I'm, hoping it gets through. And then I'm hoping if it doesn't, that we have it generated some momentum to get it through because like, I don't understand. We totally undervalue families and particularly women in this country. We could do, let's do a podcast series on that. <laughs> just I know. Undervalued women and just, but yeah, I think I saw in your story where you put, you were posting about that, I think with childcare and how expensive it is. Yeah. And just, you know, that's something as, I continue to family plan thinking like we don't have parents around. So like just looking into different daycares and things like, I'm like, we need to get a third career like to pay for this. Like I, I don't even understand. And I feel fortunate that we'll probably be able to figure out a way to make it work. But there's so many people that don't have that privilege. And it's, yeah. And a lot of my patients, they cannot pay for, for childcare. So they can't work. Like, So if they can't work, then they don't have income, which means they're on public income, which is fine. That's our social safety net should exist. But a lot of these people want to work. They enjoy 
their job or they're like trying to get more education or moving up in a career. They may start at an entry level where they can't afford to also have daycare and do that entry level job, but they'd rather work to eventually make it to a higher level where they can support their family more. Instead, they're kicked out of the you know, job market for years because they can't afford childcare. Um, so anyways. I, I think that, I mean, this is this entire conversation thus far, like there's one big piece that I think has exacerbated everything that we've just discussed, yes. and that is the pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> ongoing. And so you're like a couple of things that have come up that I've been like waiting for the perfect opportunity to say is number one, you know, being pregnant and then postpartum giving birth during COVID has exacerbated, I believe, yeah. a lot of the postpartum um, depression, anxiety, and any of the illnesses that we've just discussed. I mean, there's those levels of fear that yes. so many other women maybe don't understand, but being pregnant and then having a baby during this time, it's scary um, with that level as well. And then fast forward, trying to find childcare. Marta, I, I can't wait to see your face when I tell you this. One of the hardest things for us, my family currently, trying to find childcare was finding someone vaccinated to my child. That was the biggest barrier. It was very important to me personally. It was our family's personal choice. We were not going to have someone in our home that was not watching our baby. I, I cannot tell you that the the service that we use to find a reputable human, we found a wonderful one, thank goodness. Um, but that it took months. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, that blows my mind. <laughs> like, it, that does. I'm so sorry. That does blow my mind. <laughs> you touch on a lot of really great things. Um, one is absolutely, there's a whole big thing to be scared of during the pandemic for pregnant and postpartum people. And that is the actual infection with COVID. And if you are pregnant, you're scared for a good reason if you're unvaccinated because, and for much of the pandemic, you know, the vaccine, well, now it's been available for most people for about six months or so um, for healthcare providers. We're coming up on a year, but the first, you know, nine months to a year, depending on when you were eligible of the pandemic, you did have reason to be afraid because pregnant people have an increased risk of being seriously ill, needing ICU care, um, ventilator treatment and death from COVID. And I, you know, I posted the other day that I was at work and I was like, oh my gosh, we finished signing out the patients. And as a general OB, I don't manage the ICU patients myself, but like we all work as a team. So we hear about everyone's patients. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's no one pregnant in the ICU. This is the first time in a year that we haven't had that. Cause we also geographically have a low vaccination rate here. And it was like a moment of like, wow, like, and we have seen more vaccinations and pregnancy. And so I was like, wow, you know, that's really fantastic. And then almost like a few hours later, it hit me like, wait, what happened to a patient who had been pregnant, but in order to try to save her life, they delivered her baby very premature um, because the, to try to relieve like the pressure on the lungs that a pregnancy can create as the pregnancy goes on, you know, her baby's very premature, hang on for life. Like, how is that patient doing? And it's, yeah, she's not pregnant anymore, but pregnancy is part of the risk factor that caused her severe COVID. And, you know, she's still in ICU. She's still clinging to life. Things haven't looked up for her. So like, it wasn't good news. You know, it was like, well, that person's not pregnant anymore, but it's not good news. So there was that reason to be afraid. But the good news about that stress of COVID during pregnancy is that the vaccines are safe, 
in pregnancy. We have great data on safety in all trimesters of pregnancy, and they are effective at preventing severe disease. So, you know, we are going to discover for years to come a lot more information about COVID and pregnancy. And if it causes even more complications than just serious respiratory illnesses, which it probably does at least preeclampsia, preterm birth related to um, serious illness. Um, but the good news is the vaccines are really a godsend. And so all of the major organizations that represent doctors who care for pregnant people, you know, the um, American Academy of OBGYN, ACOG, Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine, which are the high risk OB doctors, many who are like critical care trained as well. Um, American Society of Family Physicians, the American Academy of Midwives, all of them recommend the vaccine in pregnancy. Um, so I can't even give that my stronger support because that's really like, if you're nervous about COVID and pregnancy, get the vaccine. And, you know, we don't have a lot of data on having COVID after vaccination in pregnancy, I will say. Um, not enough time has gone by. There's going to be like data collected on that probably soon, but like anecdotally, I mean, I maybe had one person, she was like, maybe just lost taste and smell and had a cough, like very mild, which was great. Um, and so that's probably, um, fine and like a way better outcome. And there may not even be any negativity associated with that kind of mild post-vaccination COVID. Again, we don't know, but it's certainly way lower risk. So, um, it is something to be scared of. And it has led to, I think, an increase in postpartum depression and anxiety, especially the isolation that comes with trying to be COVID conscious. But at least we have this life-saving vaccine available now. Yes, could not agree more. And I do want to just touch on, only because I've been open, you know, throughout this past year, I went through three rounds of IVF. And I know you uh, recommended yeah. Natalie Crawford to me, who I follow on Instagram, who's a reproductive endocrinologist, just wanted to touch on and kind of make sure just because I know we have a lot of young listeners, and I can't yeah. tell you how many people have come to me saying, well, I'm not getting vaccinated because it causes infertility. So I just want to like Ugh. hand that to you on a silver platter and have you yes. answer that one. <laughs> okay, great. Well, perhaps like we can link directly in the show notes to a few things I'm going to mention because I can't cover like every single well yes. debunking, <laughs> but I will link to it more. So if you're one of those people who's heard that and you yourself believe it, listen to me read these resources, or maybe you want to send it to a family member, a friend, something like that. So there's absolutely no link with infertility and the vaccine at all. And I always like to give the example. So Natalie Crawford is a reproductive endocrinologist. And anyone who follows Sammy knows that like another, I'm going to be a maternal fetal medicine specialist, but another type of specialist is a reproductive endocrinology and infertility physician who does IVF and other infertility treatments. They are the experts on that. They also, not many people know that, are like nationally you know, judged and ranked based on their outcomes for pregnancies, right? They have to like publish that data. It has to be available. So they would not want to do anything to risk those numbers that are like publicly available. They want good live birth rates, pregnancy rates, et cetera. They were the first organization, the American Society of Reproductive Medicine, ASRM. They were the first um, like organization that immediately was like, please get vaccinated. <laughs> please get vaccinated as soon as you can. Please get vaccinated because if you get COVID, you're more likely to lose your pregnancy and have a bad pregnancy outcome. And there's, we're not worried about the vaccine. Just get vaccinated like, like right away. They were like that, which I love because that's how in front of it they were. Um, there's like saying that the vaccine can cause infertility is like saying the vaccine can make someone's hair grow blue out of their head. Like there's no biologic mechanism that could possibly be related to that. 
I will say then some people were like, well, there might be changes to the menstrual cycle with vaccination. And there's been anecdotal reports of that. And many people say, oh, my period was like late or it was heavy or I skipped a period after vaccination. Why is that? And first of all, we don't have data on if that or skipped periods or if it's related to vaccination, even if it is, um, there's no data to say that like negatively affects fertility in any way at all. Um, one period being a little bit off is usually nothing to worry about. And there's a great explanation of that, that another OBGYN, Dr. Jen Gunter explains, where like the endometrium is part of the immune system. Um, so even if there's some relationship there, which honestly we should know more about, like science has not done enough, you know, focus on women's health when it comes to all of this stuff. So it'd be way cooler to know a lot more about like the endometrium and the immune system in the endometrium, but we know that the vaccine is safe and effective. And even if it makes your period a little wonky, that's not a huge, um, that's not a blow to fertility. And certainly you want to protect yourself because if the vaccine made your, you know, endometrium react, well, then having the virus itself is going to even worse. Like no matter what you could try to pin on the vaccine, the virus is going to be a hundred times worse. Um, so yeah, the vaccine, totally safe and effective, not related to fertility at all. Um, and there's actually been a lot of data also coming out about that. They've come out really fast. Like they compared, you know, outcomes of egg retrievals, like the quality of the eggs and embryos and um, retrieval numbers between people who had been vaccinated, people who had had COVID, but not been vaccinated and people who had had neither. And they were all the same. So there's no evidence of like spike proteins affecting ovaries or anything like that. And some people have been comparing pregnancy outcomes in IVF patients with the vaccine and they're great, no changes. So yeah, definitely nothing to worry about, about fertility in the vaccine at all. Thank you so much for covering that. Just because yeah. I know we have, we do have a lot of pregnant and postpartum, but there's also a lot of just younger women who maybe want to have children someday. And I, and I've heard from a lot of people, even in my network, that they were holding off on the vaccine just for that reason. And so. I know it kills me because it's just another example of how society preys on reproductive health and reduces women to their reproductive potential, but then scares them for in for bogus reasons. And these people who are spreading misinformation about the vaccine and fertility, again, they have an alternative agenda, right? They're saying things about big pharma, but one, that's a conspiracy, right? And then the other thing too, is they're getting your attention and their follows. And those people actually, a lot of those people in that network benefit from the alternative therapies that they sell. And not only from your attention and social media and all that, but like they actually usually sell supplements or are related to the telehealth peddling of unproven treatments. Um, so those people have a lot, those grifters have a lot to gain from you and don't let them, don't let them fool you. Your passion about this topic and just listening to your, you speak with all of the evidence and the science that you share is just incredible and has been such a breath of fresh air. <laughs> so thank you. Okay everything with us today and I also just want to bring back up before we close here one of the biggest like themes of this entire episode where you said in the beginning is you know companies and people with they they prey on your fear right fear is yeah. a response and you make choices out of fear that might not be the best ones for you and so if anybody listening to this has felt that before you know listening to this episode and then thinking back 
it's just so powerful. Um, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners before we close up and let everyone know where to follow you and find all of the incredible information that you have saved on highlights on your page that I'm looking at right now? <laughs> Yeah. So I hope that for those of you who don't know me, I hope I'm like your gateway drug to following some reliable health information people on Instagram. So you can find me at Dr. Marta Perez, Dr. M-A-R-T-A-P-E-R-E-Z. Um, I also have a YouTube channel. I It's been kind of uh, ignored since I had my baby just because... <laughs> got so busy, didn't have time for editing. Um, but I have a lot of information on there. And then also we've touched on a few different other great resources like Natalie Crawford and Dr. Poochmalakshman, but there's tons of my other colleagues who do reproductive health. Some follow, um, focus more on like busting birth control myths and real information about PCOS, endometriosis, like, um, more like gynecology, reproductive health. And some like me focus more on pregnancy or postpartum or high-risk pregnancy. So follow me. I often repost their information. Um, but yes, unfollow people who are telling, who are scaring you about your reproductive health, because um, hopefully that's not, they're usually scaring you about the wrong things. I'm scaring you about COVID because it is something to be scared of. Um, but the vaccine is the alternative and I don't benefit at all if you get vaccinated, except my mental health from seeing less sick pregnant patients. <laughs> Yes. Well, we will make sure to link all the resources you said. And um, Jenna and I could not be more grateful for your time. You are such a light. And with all of the misinformation out there on social media, we are just so grateful for accounts like you and all of your colleagues that if we have a fearful thought or an intrusive thought, I can, I literally find myself just going to your page or Dr. Stacy yeah. or Natalie Crawford yeah. or, and just knowing like we can get an answer that we trust and we feel safe on your page. So uh, thank you so much for all that you do. And I'm sure we'll want to have you back on here in the future. Cause there's just so much to talk about. Yeah. Let me know. Thanks for having me. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all your friends and faves and follow along with us on social at What the Actual Fork Pod. We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have while fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you next week for a lot more fun. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.